Isn't, isn't it awesome to see what God's doing? Why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to read the word together. If you've got your Bibles, you can grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 2. is where we're going to pick up today. But why don't you stand with me as you grab your Bibles and turn, and we're going to pray this morning. How many of you are excited to get in the word of God today? I, you know, last Sunday, if you weren't here last Sunday as, as you're turning... Sunday was absolutely phenomenal. I, um, you know, well, the, all the services have been phenomenal, but last Sunday was just absolutely um, over the top. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you may not be used to those kinds of services and seeing what God's doing supernaturally like that, but, but there was a revival atmosphere in this church last week. There was, it was, it was not typical church. It was revival. That was a, what, what I would say coming from Revival, that was a revival atmosphere. That was the beginnings of a revival atmosphere. And so I would just encourage you to keep pressing in, keep stepping in. There's so much more that God has for us. That was just the beginning. And so we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Thank you, Lord, that I am no longer an alien, a stranger, or a foreigner. But I have been brought in, verse 19, I've been made a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Lord, I just thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for your promise of, of life that, that we are building. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, that we are building together a habitation for your presence. Lord, we are, we are co-laborers together. We are partners together. We are fellowship fellowshipping together, Lord, to enjoy your presence and carry your presence to this community. Father, I pray that you would help us to have a healthy church. Lord, that we would have a healthy church full of vibrant Holy Ghost life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. You should give somebody next to you a high five or hug as you do or slap on the back, say it's good to see you this morning. This week... I want to share a message this morning called The Healthy Church. I'm going to take a look at being a healthy church. Um, how many of you know when you go to the doctor, uh, you go for your reg regular physicals, and they check your vital signs, you know, they check your pulse, and they, they begin to make sure that your vital signs are okay, and they, they call them vitals for for a reason. They're, they're necessary to life. If your vitals are messed up, you, you know, they, you have to go in for more tests and there's more exams and all of that. So, so vitals are important. So today I want to take a look at three of what I would say, three things that are vital signs to a healthy church. Three things that we can look at and say, man, if we, if we are off in this area, or if this, if this thing or that thing is off in a, in a particular area, we might have an illness problem somewhere that we need to deal with. So, or, or we might be healthy if this is strong. So I I want to take a look at three things that that uh, that are vital signs, if you will, for a healthy church. And uh, you know, it was funny this week um, was was the um, ninth anniversary of Katrina, and it was just, this week's been an interesting week. We've you know, Heather and I have had a lot going on this week. We hosted the Hobson family and the and the, the funeral for them and just all of the things. And then we had things going on here at the church. And then, of course, Heather told you about her fun uh, day this week and all of the things happening. And, um, and friends of ours in New Orleans 
Um, one of our uh, rehab graduates committed suicide in New Orleans. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, it was a heavy week. And right in the middle, and then it was Katrina, you know, Katrina week and all of those things. And, and so I just had to share this story because I, I like sharing stories. And so right in the middle of the week, I get this, this little fun letter right in the middle of the week or towards the end of the week about Katrina. And I'm thinking, it was one of those letters. Have you ever, have you ever had someone say something to you that you thought, if you cross this line one more time, I'm just going to, you might see the not saved version of me. You, I might lose my salvation. If you open your mouth one more time, you might not see my salvation. It was kind of one of those things, you know, for me, it was like, okay, you just made a comment, and if you cross that line one more time, and I said, I actually said to someone, I, I am so glad that I've learned to walk in the Spirit because that might have just rubbed me the wrong way too far. You know what I'm talking about? And so... Um, so I practice what I preach. We practice what we preach. We pray in the Spirit. Man, when that, when that letter came through and, and someone, basically they said that Hurricane Katrina has blown through our church and every sense of order and everything the celebration used to be has gone out the door. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Let the wind of the Holy Ghost blow. If that means things get messed up a little bit, I'm okay with that. Let the Holy Ghost wind blow. That's what Katrina, that, I, then I started thinking, wow, that's what Katrina means. Katrina means cleansing. So Lord, let the cleansing wind of the Holy Ghost blow. So then that got me excited. That got me all the more excited. So then I start praying in the Spirit. Lord, thank you that the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing through our church. And uh, so I just want to encourage you that God is doing something supernatural. You may not understand. You may not fully fully get what's happening. But I will say to you this, that, that just listening to the stories and listening to the testimonies and seeing people get set free, people that that have been smoking and drinking for years, being liberated and set free from addiction, seeing people that have been depressed, be encouraged and uplifted, all of those things makes it absolutely worth it for me. Me and my wife are excited about that. I'm excited about that. So a healthy church. Here in, here in Ephesians, Paul gives us a glimpse of what healthy church looks like. And the first thing that we see here is number one, and, and there's notes in your bulletins for those. I forgot to mention that. You can follow along. But, but number one, we see that, that a healthy church, our first vital sign is that we are a God-centered church. That we're a church that puts God first. That we're, we're about uh, exalting Jesus in our fellowship. It's not about a man. It's not about how we can uh, strive, as Grace was saying earlier. It's not about how we strive to make something happen. We begin to yield to the presence of God. We don't base our doctrine. We don't base our church and, and what's happening in our church on modern trends and, and what's happening in the world around us today. Can I tell you that the world is going to get nastier? It's going to get more violent. Things are going to begin to happen all around us. The world is shaking and quaking, but the thing that will hold us sure in our foundation sure is if we maintain our focus as God, number one, we have a God-centered church. One of the things that we encourage people to do is for every current author, we love reading, for every current author you read, you should read two dead uh, two dead authors, somebody who's gone before and their doctrine and their faith has been established. We like C.S. Lewis. We quote Andrew Murray, Jonathan Edwards, all of these people, Charles Spurgeon. All of these people are great people. They've gone on and their, and their doctrine and their lives have been tested and proven. And so we, we get in the word of God and we, we find out what the word of God's saying and we feed ourselves with doctrine and truth that will sustain us. 
In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the, that the people that had been converted were staying. They stayed consistently and were, uh, were matured by and, and kept useful for by the apostles' teaching. And so what that looks like is you and I come to church and they would, they would come to the apostles' gatherings and teachings and they would sit under their teaching. For some it was two, three, four, some eight hours long. There were times where Paul would teach for eight hours a day. And they would sit under these. Can you imagine coming to church, listening to a preacher preach for eight hours a day? Y'all can laugh. That's okay. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, no, absolutely not. Get us out of here by noon, preacher. I know exactly what you're thinking. And so, you know, they they would come and sit under the teaching and and be preserved in or kept useful for. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we come and we sit under God-centered teaching. We're preserved by God-centered doctrine, God-centered worship. Our lives revolve around this book. Our lives revolve around the person of Christ. Jesus said, excuse me, John said of Jesus in John chapter 1, if you want to go there. I love John chapter 1, that in the beginning, verse 1 of John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so this this book How do you know what God-centered looks like? How do you know what living a life full of the Holy Spirit, living in the Spirit looks like? You begin to read this book. You begin to devour this word. You get it in you. How can you, how can the Holy Spirit recall to your remembrance the word of God if there's nothing in you? How can God begin to stir up his word and his promises for your life if they're not planted in your heart? And so you begin to put the word of God deep within our heart and it enables us to live this God-centered life. You know, you can be here this morning and you can have a God-centered doctrine or ideology. You can say, man, people say it all the time. I believe in Pentecost. I'm a Pentecostal person. I, I believe in praying in tongues. I believe, but they haven't prayed in tongues in 30, 40 years. And so you can have the, and maybe you're like that this morning. You say you believe in Pentecost, but you haven't, you haven't experienced the fullness of it for yourself in a long time. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that you don't have to just have an ideology. You don't have to just have a doctrine. There is an experience of the word of God for each of us. It's alive, it's real, it's living, it's breathing, it's active, it's sharper. This word, this God-centered life can be experienced, not just learned. Edwards used to say that, that, the, that God is beautiful, that, that we have this belief that God is beautiful, just like we believe that honey is sweet. We all probably, everybody in this room can agree that honey's sweet. But it's not until you go out and taste honey that you really understand the sweetness of honey. And it's so it's true with the beauty of God that you really don't fully understand or comprehend the beauty of God until you've seen his face. And so for each of us, it's a challenge that we don't just get in the Word and have a head knowledge, but we experience for ourselves what the Word of God says. If God says I can have the fullness of the Spirit, then I want the fullness of the Spirit. If God's Word says that I can live a supernatural life, then I want to live a supernatural life. If God says that our church should be alive and healthy, then I want a healthy and alive church. 
Amen. I'm excited. I'll preach myself happy this morning. Jesus was the example for us. If we, can, if we get anything out of this scripture from John 1, we can see that Jesus is an example for us. Jesus is an example for us and what a God-centered life looks like. First off, he's, he, he modeled for us, Jesus modeled for us intimacy with the Father. In John 5, verse 19, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, I say to you, the son, of, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And so we also should have this vision of the Father. We should have intimacy with the Father in such a way that we flow with what the Father's doing. That we see Jesus in Scripture. And it's not just an idea, but we begin to do what Jesus did. We live how Jesus lived. And it's not the cliche, what would Jesus do? But we begin to actually live it out and not just wear it on our arm and not just hear it on Sundays, but we actually live out what Jesus and how Jesus lived. Secondly, Jesus modeled for us how we ought to minister to others. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Now, the only way that you can do this is if you've received something. A lot of our problem in church is that we're trying to teach people who've not received anything. It's just religious, and, and coming to church is religious. If you, want, if you want a supernatural life, you have to have a supernatural download in your life. Coming to church just doesn't cut it. Sitting in a pew, giving, doing all the religious things doesn't do it. You have to have a supernatural download from heaven in your life. And when you do, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. I've received something supernatural in my life. I've had a supernatural download in my life. I carry something supernatural wherever I go. It doesn't matter whether I'm at the grocery store or at church. It doesn't matter whether I'm at home or I'm out having fun with the family. Wherever I go, there is a supernatural mantle on my life. And I'm aware of it. You can be aware of the mantle of God and the anointing of God on your life. You and I can walk in a supernatural mantle. It doesn't have to be humdrum Christianity. If you want, listen, if you want to live a natural life, if you want to live, you can be born again on your way to heaven and live a natural life, a natural Christianity, striving, constantly trying to make things happen, constantly trying to do it in your own strength, constantly trying to break habits on your own. Listen, go for it. Knock yourself out. But as for me, I want to live a supernatural life because I know I'm messed up. I know I have issues. I know if I try to do it on my own and try to press through and strive through and work it and try to make it all about me, it just ain't going to happen. I'm going to screw it up somewhere along the line. I don't know about you, but I know that's me. But if there's anybody in this room that understands what I'm saying this morning, that, that if you just if you just yield to the supernatural element of God at work in your life, you don't have to live a natural Christianity. You don't have to live in your natural strength. You can live a supernatural life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Good preaching, Pastor Zach. We're going to keep going. You have to build yourself up in your holy faith up here. I'm telling you. Jesus also modeled for us how to love each other. In John 13, 35, he said, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, again, we see this supernatural, uh, this supernatural element at work, the supernatural presence of God at work in the church, taking us out of natural into supernatural, bringing us into a God-centered fellowship, bringing us into a God-centered 
uh, ministry and doctrine. And then fourthly, how to live righteously. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. God wants you and I to live a life centered around the gospel, centered around God, centered around his presence. Some ways you might know if you're ill. I listed some ways. I think they might have them on the screen. Some ways to know that you might be ill if this vital sign is off. Number one, doctrines based on modern trends and not on scripture. We see that a lot in today's generation. There's a lot of people that are, are basing doctrine and theology on what's current, what's hip, what's modern. And I want to tell you, I want to warn you, if you are, if you are listening to those, there are, there's a lot of them on TV. If you listen to them on TV, you will find yourself in conflict with the word of God. Some of the things that are being taught and preached are based on, on modern trends, not true doctrine. I want to tell you, you shouldn't leave church and just say, oh, that was a good word, and not take it to heart. Take home what you're hearing here from this pulpit and study it and get into it. Listen to the podcast and, and discern what God's speaking to you for your life. Two, everyone in your church is comfortable with their Christianity. If everybody's sitting here comfortable, we got problems. If everybody in this room is comfortable where they're at in their relationship with Jesus, I'm not doing my job. We, there's, there's a health issue somewhere. And so, so when the Spirit of God starts moving and, and I get interesting letters like I did this week or things happen, I say, bring it on. Bring it on. That's how I know something supernatural is at work in this church because, because people are being poked. The Holy Ghost is poking and prodding and causing things to bubble up and to be dealt with. You may be sitting in here and, 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 and there might be folks in this room that have, have had bad experiences. I know this happens. I've dealt with this a hundred times. I'm probably facetious there, but, but it seems like it. People who come in and sit in, in church office and say, man, I've had a bad experience with that Pentecost thing. Thing. You know, my, my this or my that or friend or family, whatever. And it was just, I just had a bad experience. I've had bad experience with people preaching salvation. I mean, I, I've heard people preach that. I've heard somebody this week say things I didn't agree with on salvation. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just because somebody preaches something that I don't necessarily agree with doesn't mean that I'm just going to not step in and receive what God has for me. I can look at them and say, you know what? That's not what I agree with what Scripture is saying in that situation, but that's okay because as for me, I'm going to press in and receive what God has for me. I, I may not dance the way you dance. That's okay. I'm going to press in and receive what God has, and I'm going to dance my dance, and I, I'm going to shout my shout, and it may not look the same. It ain't supposed to look the same. If we all start looking like each other, we're going to have issues because I really don't want to look like Ray. I'm just joking. <laughs> The, the only way I could say that is because he was actually up here and everybody would know who I'm talking about. How, how else you might be Ill, Ill in this situation? If you're not tithing, there's tithing issues. If you're, if you, God-centered life means you tithe. Habitual sin or sin not dealt with. If there's, a, if there's a habitual sin in your life, maybe that's an area where God's trying to get you to center your life more around him. Trying to please man over God. 
messages predominantly about man's attempt to get to God. Listen, if I ever start preaching messages about how our attempts to get to God, you can just smack me upside the head. God came down, the last time I checked, God came down to us in a supernatural fashion and and reached out to me when I was in the pit, when I didn't know no better. God came to me and found me and reached out to me and set me free and redeemed me. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, I'm going to take off running here in a second. God, God came and found me in the middle of my mess. So, so my attempts to get to him and my efforts to, to see him uh, or get to him and try to earn his love and all those things, I've, just, I've missed it. I've missed it if, if my life is about me trying to get to him because he's come to me and all I have to do is yield and say, God, thank you. I receive all that you have for me. I receive your love. Man, you get born again. How do you get born again? Lord, I receive. <laughs> How do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Lord, I receive. How do you walk in the supernatural? Lord, I receive. It's a life of yieldedness to a God-centered life. Not personally, number eight, I'll skip ahead. Not personally living out the word of God on a day-to-day basis. You come on Sundays. It sounds good on Sundays, but you don't live it out during the week. You might be ill. Oh, number seven, I skipped that. That's a good one. The pastor is regarded as God. (laughs) That is a good one. You know, that God's not the center of the church. The pastor is. God help us. Amen. Hallelujah. Second vital sign, that we live in a place of supernatural fellowship and supernatural ministry. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 21 says, for, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, whether slaves or free, have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it, it is, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, would, would the body be hearing? Or if the whole were hearing, where would it be smelling? But verse 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You know, when, when, when we begin to realize the supernatural fellowship, Paul said in Ephesians that we are growing together. We're being fit together. These joints, you and I, are being formed and fashioned together like the joints of a body. Now, if I were to go home today and I found myself sitting on the couch and not getting up, and I laid on the couch for the next month or two and didn't move, how many of you know my body would get pretty stiff? And if I did start to move, I probably would be complaining. I would be irritable. I I would be fussy because things are moving that weren't moving before. And so that's really what we're seeing happening is God is bringing us, the body at celebration, uniquely together. We're fitted together. And there's probably some areas of our body that are starting to move that haven't moved in a while. Amen. Hallelujah. Ray made mention of it earlier. He, you know, some of the things that are happening he hasn't seen in 20-something years. Well, if you start sitting on the couch for 20-something years and you start moving that area of your body, it's going to be a little stiff and you're probably going to complain a little bit. And so, so, so the complaints and those things really don't, don't 
scare me off. It just lets me know we're moving. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We're moving in the right direction. We're, get, we're getting settled in and, and, and beginning to flow with the Holy Ghost in these areas. And so supernatural fellowship looks like you and I, each one of us, doing our part. Each of you have a gift and skills and abilities that God's given you and that is meant for the purpose of good works that glorify God in this community. And the community being here at this church and community being in the world around us. But when you and I begin to sit by, we're missing the purpose of why you and I were formed. We're a body. The body, our body is made to function healthily and properly to accomplish a work of some sort. If you're not out doing something, you're here existing, and, and if you're not actively engaged in doing ministry or not actively get engaged in doing the things that glorify God here at this church, you're missing out on why you were created. You and I are meant to have fellowship. If I'm, if I'm the mouth and he's the eye, he's going to be the eye today, that's probably a bad choice of body part for you. <laughs> Just joking. The, the eye, and he's, he's the eye I can't say to Bob, I have, no, I have no need of you. I don't need you. I, I'm, I'm good all by myself. I'll be out into my, to myself, my own little world, in my island. I don't, need, I don't need your encouragement. I don't need to hear about what you're seeing. I'm good. I'm just going to be a mouth. And I know that sounds silly, but how many of us do that in church all the time? We come in and we leave, and we, we come in and leave just like we came in. We're just an island to ourselves, and God's saying to each of us that you're, you're not an island to yourself. You're not just one body part to yourself. We are to each take ownership of our body and fulfill the function that each of you and I were made to do. I'm the preacher. I'm the guy that's going to be the, up here speaking. I'm the guy that's going to be laying hands on people. And I know I understand my gift and flow in those gifts. But some of you would be absolutely terrified to get up here and preach and be absolutely terrified to come to an altar and, and minister to someone. That's okay because there's probably another gift that you excel in. There's a whole slew of people back in the children's ministry right now making the nursery and the preschool and the toddlers and kids' city and all those things happen. There's people in the soundboard and people on the stage and people in the computer. There's people all over this place. We need people out in the parking lot. We need greeters. We need folks who are going to fulfill their gifts that God's given them. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot. I mean, I'm, maybe you're one of those that feels a little burnt out because you've been doing too much. And I would say to you that you weren't created to do a million things. You were created with a purpose. You were given a, one, the eye is given one purpose, one job, and that's to see. And if you're trying to do something that you're not gifted in, or you're trying to do things that you don't excel in to try to keep things together and keep things moving forward, you're going to get burnt out. That's not healthy. That's not healthy church. And so you need to find out what you're gifted in and what, you're, what God's called you to do and begin to fulfill that with all your might. In Psalms 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. We're being fitted together. We're in this place of unity, flowing together. And when we begin to flow together, that same anointing, that same touch of God begins to flow down from the top down. Heather and I were talking this week. You know, we're, we live 
you know, in our, in our ministry and where we're from and, and all the things that we've done, we live in a place of revival. That is our heart. That's our ministry. We've lived, when, when we talk about praying in the Spirit and living a supernatural life, it's not something that we have just heard and thought, oh, that's good. We'll pick up on that and preach that. No, 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 no. That's not what we've done. That is our life. Our life is about living yielded to the Spirit of God. And so we're not teaching things that, that, that we don't practice. And, and this week we realized, man, we can't, it, it's not about, you know, trying to keep everybody happy and all these things. And we, you know, and that's, understand what I'm saying. We, you know, we, we're not out to cause offense, but, but for ourselves, now listen to what I'm saying, for ourselves, we have to step into the, the Spirit of God. Whether, whether the church goes with us or not, we have to live a life full of the Spirit. Whether people come with me or not, I have to live a supernatural life. I can't do anything but that. I can't do anything but preach a supernatural message. I can't do anything but lay hands on people. I can't do anything but be spirit-filled. It's just the mantle. It's who I am. It's my DNA. That's who I am. And so, you know, and Heather and I were talking about that, and we said, you know, this, this is who we are. So whether anybody comes with us or not, we've got to step in. We've got to press in. We have to pray in the Spirit. We have to live a supernatural life. And what, what begins to happen when we do that? When we do that, when Heather and I do that, that same presence of God, that same anointing, that same supernatural life that comes on us begins to flow down in the body. And we begin, we begin to lead out, and we begin to see the change like Grace was talking about. We begin to train transition from striving and, and making something happen to learning to step in and press in in the spirit. We, we make the change from being a church that, that might be a social club mentality to being a church that's transforming a city. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? And so that's, that's what we're really all about is God, make us, make us the body that you've called us to be. Help us to have supernatural fellowship and supernatural ministry. That we would grow into a temple, into the holy temple. The third thing that we see here is that how do we know if we're healthy? It's because we're a habitation for the presence of God. Our, our church, the reason why we exist is that we are being formed and fashioned into a habitation, a dwelling place, a tabernacle for the presence of God. 1 Peter 2.5, I quoted this last week. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And in 1 Kings 8, uh, verses uh, 10 through 11 in chapter 8, it says, And it came to pass... When the priest came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. If, if I had to say, if there's anything that I want to see happen, I want to see this place, and not just physical location, not just the building, but those of us in this building, those of us that make up this church, become a holy habitation for the presence of God. That you and I become so filled, so saturated, so, so immersed in his presence that there's, that there's a cloud of his glory that follows us. That wherever you and I go, that his tangible presence affects the people around us. Do you know that, that you can be so filled with the presence of God that people can see the glory of God on your life? They may not understand what it is. They may not understand what they're seeing, but they see something different about you. They see something, they see something in your life that's different. I can't tell you how many times I've been stopped 
in, in different places, and, and people have said, there's something different about you. There's something, and it's always, it's funny, there's something in your eyes that's different, and always in my eyes. There's something in your eyes that's different. It's not my baby blue eyes either. It's, there's something different in your eyes. And I, I don't know how many times I've been told that by people, but the, there's, we should be so full of the presence of God that there's something different about our lives. This is how we know that we're healthy. Man, when you walk into church, do you sense the presence of the Lord, or does it feel like a stale, crusty old uh, tombstone, tomb, you know, tomb grave? Do you feel like you're walking in the in church? Do you feel like you're walking in the graveyard? Or do you feel like you've walked into the showers of refreshing? His presence should be alive on our campus. I, I, I want people, and we've had, we've had this happen four or five times since we've been here. People driving by the church, feeling compelled, don't even know how they ended up at the church and came into service. We've had that happen several times. And that when people walk on our property, they should sense the presence of God. Amen. How do you know if you might be ill in this area? When we get together to worship, it's boring and dull and you're not excited about worship. I love what Grace said today, that it's, we get the opportunity to come before the King of Kings and to give him our worship. Not that he needs our worship, not that he, he's sustained by our worship, none of it. He just delights in our worship. He's just like, he's a happy dad. When, when Zoe comes up to me and she just loves on me, I don't need Zoe to love on me. I'm, I'm fully sustained and capable of maintaining life without Zoe. I know that sounds harsh, but, but, but the reality is, in and of myself, I'm fully okay without, without Zoe. But when Zoe comes in and she wraps her arms around Daddy, and they, they don't get around Daddy quite yet, but they, you know, she puts on them on my chest, and you know, she's you know, Zoe, man, it melts my heart. It just makes my day, and, and I, I don't ever want to leave her because she's it's just that one simple act of love, and God's the same way. God doesn't need our worship. God doesn't need you and I's praise. He's fully sustained in and of himself, but he loves when his people comes together and just loves on him, just worship. It attracts him. It attracts his, his love. It attracts his goodness into our lives. And so I, I want to encourage you that, that if you don't get excited about worship, you might want to take your vital sign, take your pulse, just check things out. There's no supernatural elements in worship in our services. Man, if we don't have the supernatural, something might be amiss. It's a great indicator if there's something wrong. There's no life to your personal devotion or prayer life. If you don't have a personal time with God where you're worshiping and you're in his word and and you're taking what's being preached and and chewing on it and digesting it for yourself during the week and seeing, God, what what are you speaking to me through this word? Then, Then you might be missing out on the power of his presence in your life. Amen. If you're not operating in friendship evangelism, talking to the people around you, you might be sick in this area of his presence because when his presence comes on you and you and I are filled with the fullness of God, the natural overflow is ministry to people around us. The natural overflow of that, of that presence of God is, man, I need my friends, I need my coworkers, I need the people around me to know and to experience for themselves this touch of God in their lives. So I want to say to you today, have you taken your vital signs? I want to be a healthy church. I want to be a church that has a God-centered message and a God-centered 
life, church life. I want everything about our church to function with God at the center, that it's not about this person or that person or the pastor. You got to do this part or that part or any of that. We're solely focused on God. And then second, we have supernatural fellowship and supernatural ministry. All of us are doing our part. All of us are engaging in in ministry together. All of us are operating together. We're not at odds with each other. We're not fussing at each other. We're not trying to complain and gripe and take this or that. We're all flowing together in unity. And then lastly, we're a habitation for his presence. We're a dwelling place for his presence. 